Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you, and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Life is short. Choose wisely. That's what today's guest is sharing. Her name is Carrie V. She has an MBA. She's a professional speaker, an author, a podcast host, a certified transformation, forgiveness, and grief coach. She's a Toastmaster semi-finalist in the 2020 World Championship of Speaking, a keynote speaker. Like she's all of the things. But a couple of years ago, she went on a journey that she probably wouldn't choose. But her perspective because of that is life-changing. And I am so excited and so honored to share her story with you today. Let's jump in. This is a really good one. Welcome, Carrie. I feel like it's so long overdue to have you here with me. Thank you so much. It always is the perfect time. Everything happens when it's supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why I love you. So let's... Your perspective is awesome. You and I met, we were in a mastermind together. Then we got to see each other in real life at an event that we attended together. And then you came to my event in the spring. And now you're speaking at the Next She Who Wins Summit in a few months. So, And I'm so excited. I like, I just love all of it. I love like the continued connection and, um, and you're such a special person and your energy is so special and your perspective. So let's start there. I want to start because I feel like we can't talk about anything until like, we know who you are and why you have the perspective you do. So let's, let's go there. Like, let's start at that moment that things became really hard. Yeah. So Boy, that is such a loaded question. Going back, (laughs) though, to 2007, I felt like life was finally going on to an even keel. I was graduating with my MBA, and I was in a new marriage, and things were going well all around. I had a great corporate job, and then my my oldest brother was diagnosed with a terminal cancer that totally rocked my world. In fact, he was diagnosed with cancer a week before we were supposed to be all going down to watch me graduate with my MBA in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And it just, it, it rocked everything. And he started on these cancer treatments. And throughout the three years that he fought cancer, I held to this I held to, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. He's going to be this. He's going to be okay. It was uh, colorectal cancer. And in 2010, in May, he lost his battle with that cancer. And before he died, a week before he died, he we were out to breakfast. It was a Sunday morning and he reached across the table. He was skin and bones and he had just gone in for another scan and we were waiting for the results of that scan. And he, he reached across the table and he took my hand and he said, I'm going to be leaving this world. We all know I'm going to be leaving this world. And before I go, I need to, I need to ask you to promise me that you will spend the rest of your life helping others choose more life while they still have life to choose. Because you, little sis, have put yourself in this self-imposed prison behind a desk and you have a voice. God gave you a gift and you're not using it. 
And I promised him, Renee, I promised him I would do that, knowing inside that I had not a clue how it was ever going to work like that. How, how, how do I say, how was I going to do it? And a few months after he died, I had a dream. And in this dream, my brother walked into a restaurant and I, I walked in after him and I knew it was my brother. And I kept trying to get his attention and he was completely ignoring me, wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't look at me, wouldn't look, wouldn't anything. So I went to the table where he was sitting and I planted my hands on my hips and I demanded of him, why won't you talk to me? I just want to cook dinner for you. I know I'm not the best cook in the world, but dude, I just want to cook for you. I miss you. I miss my big brother. Why won't you talk to me? And he looked up at me and he said, I can't talk to you because I died. Don't you remember I died? I'm only here to give you a message. Life is short, little sister. Choose wisely. Life is short, little sister. Choose wisely. And I woke up with my heart beating. I was sweating profusely. And I realized that I had been given this beautiful dream and this incredible message to give to the world. And that was my message. And it was my beginning point. It was my, it was my springboard into what my future would be. And I just started taking a step every day on how I could fulfill his promise that I made to him along with the message of life is short, choose wisely. And I wish I could say it was linear. I wish I could say there were no struggles, but as you know, it it is always a roller coaster. And part of that roller coaster, one of the deep, deep dips of that roller coaster was in December of 2020 when I was diagnosed with the same cancer that took my brother. And that was another defining moment of, am I really going to step fully into this promise or am I going to run out of time too? Mm. Oh my gosh. That's just like, (laughs) it's bone chilling. Did you, so after he passed, did you leave the job? Did you did you pr- do all of the things you promised him at that moment? Or did, did it take time and wait for you to be nudged by the universe in a different <laughs> way to do that? Yeah. Yes and yes. So I went back and forth, not believing in myself. Yes, I left the job. And I went into transcribing medical records because I knew I could work at home doing that and still fulfill the promise. And then I found myself pulled into full-time doing that. And then I found myself pulled into full-time corporate America again and leaving and getting pulled back again. It, it has been a tug of war. And, and the tug of war is, do I believe in myself enough or do I... <sighs> do I believe in myself enough or do I keep trying to help God by saying, I'll just keep this little job here while I fulfill my promise over here. But that's not the promise I made to my brother. Promise was that I would do it all full in. It it has been a complete tug of war until the last four years. I completely left corporate America and dove in with no, no safety net. And isn't that hard though? Like most people are afraid to go all in on something and they keep their foot on the safe side because that's the safety net. I mean, that's what we're told to do. Like we're raised to make like rational, reasonable adult-like decisions and quitting the job with the benefits is not that. (laughs) Like how do you get over just the, the mind, you know, the mindset that happens to like stay safe and also stay small? Yeah. Oh, staying safe is staying small. It is, 
it is making ourselves disappear. And I, I literally physically did that. I adopted into my life willingly an eating disorder to make myself smaller and smaller. I just didn't mm. want to take up so much space. And in doing so, created a whole, a whole host of, of physical things that are, that I'm still working on fixing now, even, de- even a decade and a half later. We try to make ourselves small. We we're told yeah. not to make up, take up too much space. And we're told that we're too much. And we're told that we need to bring it down a little bit. The world's not ready for your energy. I heard yeah. that. I heard that from teachers growing up. The world will never be ready for your energy. Now, interestingly enough, my brother Billy had the same energy as me, but he was considered a born leader. <laughs> I was told the world wasn't ready for my energy, and my brother called it out for what it was. Even before his time, before the world was calling it out for what it was, he was calling it out for what it was. Crazy BS. And he, he said, I, I don't care that you are a female and I'm a male. You need to go out there and make your mark in the world. And staying small and staying comfortable is just our way of giving in to the rhetoric of we're too much. And I'll put it in air quotes. We're never too much. I and I, I'm smiling over here because Carrie is a speaker. She speaks on stages. She's won you you won like some big award for yeah, it, from, right? Uh, Compet- Toastmasters, yes, yeah, like not not a, a an insignificant deal. So <laughs> celebrating that, and so that when you're on stage, your job is to take up space and use yes. your voice, and so it's like the opposite of, of of being a woman and told to stay smaller and. Don't be so disruptive and, you know, don't be so loud. All of the things that we were raised to. And I mean, you and I are are in similar phases of our life. We're not 20. And so, you know, that's what we grew. Those are the messages that we grew up with. And so how did you how did you get over that? Like, what did you do to quiet that small voice so that you could step into your power? Yes, you know, when I was in junior high, I went to music camp and my last name then was Berger. And that is uh, significant to the story. I had a, I had a crush on one of the camp counselors who was, you know, so old, but he was probably four or five years older than me. He was probably just out of high school, but I had such a crazy huge crush on him. And I was the person, I was the girl at camp who wanted to help everybody laugh. I wanted to encourage everyone. I was always in the middle of the fun because I started the fun because I loved being gregarious. It's who I am. And this gentleman one time, one day came back to me that he had, and he had called me and given, given me a new name, the Burger Broadcasting System. And he meant it as a complete cut that I was too much. Mm. I was too loud. I was too gregarious. And I went home from that camp when I was 13 years old, a much different person than as I showed up. I was quiet. I hardly ever talked. I didn't laugh anymore. And my mom and dad knew something happened, but I could never bring myself to tell them what happened for years. I just knew if I was to be likable, it meant I had to be quiet. I had to learn to be silent. I had to learn to not be who I was if I wanted people to truly like me. From one person's statement, one person at a camp full of hundreds, one person, but his influence was devastating on me for two decades, at least. Well, three decades. And then I finally realized 
one day, I could either believe that I was the burger broadcasting system and that was a bad thing, or I could turn those words into something positive and I could start a podcast and I could write a book and I could get on stage and I could use my voice the way that God designed me to be. And it was a conscious decision to begin to step into that power. Was it easy? No. But I started reading. I joined network marketing with the sole purpose of meeting people and learning how to be a leader. It was a great stepping stone. It was, an, it was amazing because I had people now who believed in me and wanted me to use my voice. So I, I took those words that were meant to destroy me and turn them into something that I could turn into a superpower. That, and and that's a heartbreaking, that. it's a heartbreaking mm-hmm. story because mm-hmm. people, people in power, teachers, I have some, a similar story with a teacher that like almost dimmed my passion for writing. And it's like, they don't understand the impact that something like that has, has, yeah. us. did you ever, you know, I'm curious, did you ever look him up? Like, I'm curious to see what he's not doing today. <laughs> I actually don't know what he's doing. I did find him on Facebook and send a message, but I never heard anything back. He's, uh, was the message like, Hey, you jackass. No, like, <laughs> no, no, it was just, Hey, do you remember me from camp? And there was nothing, there was no return. Huh. And it's, I mean, it, you know, he has kids, which makes me like, Oh gosh, I, I hope you're not destroying their lives too. <laughs> I, and, and, you know, maybe he was just young and maybe he thought he was yes. being funny and all of, and all of those things too. But sometimes that when people do that, it's a reflection on them and their own insecurities. Yes. And maybe there was a part of him that wished he could speak and be outspoken and be heard. Yes. You know, I, I believe that is true, Renee. And to his credit, he did apologize. He felt horrible. He came into the dorm room and I was sobbing and he just, I mean, he, he was crestfallen. I don't think he realized what those words yeah. were going to do to a 13-year-old girl, but I was a 13-year-old girl with a major crush on him. Yeah. And I just thought, well, if he's going to like me, I have to be who I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so sad. Maybe that maybe <laughs> that was a learning moment for him too. And you hope. I hope so. I hope so. This message is for the dreamers, doers, and goal-getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience, is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at shewhowins.com. So we jumped right ahead on all of this, like your <laughs> that part of your story, but we never heard the end of your own health journey because yeah. you're sitting here today. Your fate was <laughs> yeah. not the same of you, as your brother's. So what happened? No. So because of my brother's colon cancer and the fact that my mother also had it and her sister died of it and her aunts and uncles died of it, um, I had been getting reg- regular colonoscopies. So and trying to live a very, very healthy lifestyle, doing everything that the book said. And I even had a doctor say to me, colon cancer is not hereditary. If you live a healthy lifestyle, you will not have that same fate. This was all lifestyle related. And I clung to that promise like it was my job. And I Mm -hmm. went for my colonoscopies regularly, except for this one, I rescheduled three times. And I went in December because they called and said, if you don't come in here, if you reschedule it this time, we have to start all over again. And I was like, 
okay, fine. But I've had so many clear colonoscopies. This is like, I almost viewed it, Renee, as a, as a waste of my time. I went in for the colonoscopy. They called my husband and said, oh, we removed one little polyp. And remember, that's in the days where nobody could go in with you. So I walked into that colonoscopy alone and they they said, we'll call if anything, if it shows, if the biopsy shows anything, but we don't expect it to be anything. It was so teeny tiny. But the doctor who did my colonoscopy had the foresight to also biopsy the colon wall because of our family history of colon cancer. And he went all the way to the cecum, which a lot of doctors don't. And the reason I bring this up is because anybody who's listening, if you're getting a colonoscopy, the question that you ask is, do you go all the way to the cecum? Because many colon cancers start there and most doctors don't go that far. So that's a little side note for your health. He did, and he called a week later, December 13th, eight o'clock at night. It was a Sunday. We were decorating the Christmas tree. I will never forget that moment. Anyone who has ever heard the words, you have cancer, never forgets where they were. I could tell you what I was wearing. I could tell you the flavor hot chocolate I was drinking. And he said, the biopsy of the, of the polyp was cancer. And there's also cancer in the colon wall. It is already invading and you need to you need to have surgery immediately and it was it, i can't explain the feeling i can't explain the feeling that washed over me i can't explain what it was like to go in and tell my husband that i had cancer the same cancer that we watched take my brother and my mother who was living with us at the time had already gone to bed. And all I could think is when my mom gets up tomorrow morning, I have to tell her another one of her children has colon cancer. And it was just, I wanted to turn back the clock and not answer the phone. (laughs) Because somehow in my head, if I didn't answer the phone, I didn't have cancer. But I figured by the time I got up in the morning, I'm going to hit this head on and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I went and saw the doctor and we did another colonoscopy. They went they did more biopsies. They found more cancer. So they realized they needed to take out half of my large intestine to be able to cut out all of the cancer, which we did at the very beginning of January. In I went in for the surgery. I came home from the hospital. Three days later, I found out I had contracted COVID while I was in the hospital. And I was finally able to get through that. I went in for genetic testing where they found out that my family carries this syndrome called Lynch syndrome, which is why we'd have all this colon cancer. And it is actually contagious or not contagious, hereditary in this instance. Um, And we were still only at the third week of January. By the fourth week of January, it also been diagnosed with skin cancer. And Going through going through the year, I had my mom tested for Lynch syndrome. She tested positive. I got her in for a colonoscopy on May 3rd where they found massive, massive colon cancer and she died in my arms 19 days later. And we still weren't even wow. halfway through the year. Um, my husband and I ended up getting COVID again. I broke my arm in November and in December, they found out that there were cancer cells in my ovaries, which is also part of Lynch syndrome. So in one year, I just went through this horrible time of emotional and physical pain. And I didn't want to get up most days, to be honest. It just felt like the waves kept crashing on me and I couldn't catch my breath. And I kept remembering, though, that I promised my brother I would help people choose more life while they still had life to choose. And I was one of the people who still had life. Therefore, my choice was to kick fear to the curb 
and keep going no matter what. It was a huge, huge lesson. And it's actually when we met, I had just started that mastermind for you when I found out I had cancer. And so that journey began when we met. And it's, it has been, it's not been easy, but it has been necessary for the growth of my life and of my story and of my business. Everything has become another platform for me to build on because I can say sometimes life hurts. Sometimes life gets unbearable, but you have a choice to stay in bed and let it take you under, or you have a choice to get up and take another step and just take the breath you have. Was there a time when you didn't want to get up? Yes, many times. Many times I would lay in bed arguing with God, I don't, just, just take me. If you're going to keep the waves crashing, just let me drown. Just let me go. I'm ready. I'm ready. I miss my mom. I miss my dad. I miss my brother. I just, let's just, let's just go. Let's just have this conversation. Let's be done. But the answer was always, you're not done yet. There are more people there who need to know that you can survive and you can be resilient and you can keep going. My brother taught me how to live while he was dying. He never gave up. If he wanted to do something, he would drag himself through the doors. And I remembered that lesson. And he would tell me all the time, it is never about the destination. It is always about the journey every day, always. And the, the lessons he taught me really keep me going because I watched him in incredible pain still do all the things. I... I, I'm almost rendered speechless because I can feel, like, I can feel your pain. I can feel your emotion. And, you know, so often we focus on the the end result, the goal. As an entrepreneur, you focus on, like, mm-hmm. what's the thing that you want that you set out? And I think it's beautiful to, to that when you actually not just appreciate, but relish in it and enjoy the journey, yeah, because that's really where the good stuff happens. It's not that end result because, because who cares? You get it. And then you're like, what's the next thing? So you yes. spend all of this time like chasing something and forgetting why you're doing it to begin with. Yes. Do you remember when there was a, a trend on reels? Can we skip to the good stuff? And someone would show a picture and then all of a sudden they'd be at the destination. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, but you're wishing your life away. This is the good stuff. Every day, every time you hear, I mean, for me, when every time I hear my grandson giggle or I get to go visit my older grandson and hear him tell me all about Jurassic World, that is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. All the things along the way, if you get to go on vacation, if you get to have a huge successful defining moment in your business, that's also the good stuff. It's all the good stuff. Dinner with your family is the good stuff. It's all the good stuff. I think it it took me a long time to figure that out. And I can say that the past two years have been filled with so much hustle. And for 2023, part of my my vision, my mission, my just sort of my own internal goals is to slow down, yeah. like slow down so much and just have joy and not continuously hustle and chase and, and try to move the needle mm-hmm. and like just be. 
And it took me a really long time to get to that point. You know, because I felt like if I wasn't, if I wasn't, if I wasn't getting to that thing or wasn't moving, then I wasn't being productive or I was like missing an opportunity. And I've, you know, I've spent probably the past month, I'm about a month into this new journey and it has been joyful. Like I've been so much more present and you know what? Nothing has not gotten done, which is also the funny thing. (laughs) I'm like, it's, it's happening. It's just happening with more ease. Yes. That is beautiful. I love that you've learned this, that you're learning this lesson already because it took me longer than you. I mean, I'm pushing 60. So it took me much longer to learn this lesson. And it it is so true. I wish I could help everybody understand that. And this year, I decided that every morning I would wake up and my, and the first thing I would do was express gratitude. And the second thing would be to pray and say, what is the one thing I can do today? the one thing that will move my business forward, the one thing I can do to make my family more loved, and the one thing I can do to experience joy. If I get to the end of the day and I've done those three things, and they're always revealed to me, always ask, ask whether it is faith or the universe, what it is you believe in, ask, because it's willing to deliver, but it's not going to deliver what it doesn't know you want. And those, yeah, go ahead. As you so as you sit here right now, how how is your health? It is as far as I know, it's good. I just had another clean colonoscopy and with Lynch syndrome, we don't know. We just there are so many um so many cancers that are part of Lynch syndrome and a lot of people with with this, which is it's kind of a newly discovered genetic um, abnormality. So a lot of people who are diagnosed with it will end up very, very depressed because if you go on, if you Google Lynch syndrome, I had family members that Googled Lynch syndrome and called me crying saying, oh my gosh, you're doomed. You're going to die. Well, the truth is, yes, I will, but so will you. (laughs) We're all going to. That is the truth. And whatever is going on inside my body, I can't see inside. I don't know. The things that I can do that are in my control are to move my body and drink the water and choose healthy foods and choose a healthy mindset and choose to live every day. And so when people say, well, are there any other Lynch cancers coming? I don't know. I don't know. Today I feel good and today I'm breathing. So today I live. Hmm. Ah, so beautiful. So, so beautiful. I, um, Before I get to our final question, I want to talk about um, a couple of things. One, where can we find you? You have a couple beautiful books that you wrote. Uh, So where can someone pick up that to be even more inspired by your story? Oh, thank you, Renee. So the book is available on Amazon and, or you can go to my website. That is the easiest way is to go to coachcarryv.com. And everything is on there. All my social media channels, the books are on there. And I even have shoes now you can get that say life is short, choose wisely. So you never forget. I love <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. I love that so much. Because you had your is it your pow pow shoes? Oh my pow pow shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Just a reminder. There they are. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, they're totally these jazzed up, like yes. glammed up shoes. Um, do you wear those on stage? I do. 
Yeah, I do. I at least That's, walk up on the stage in them. They may come off my feet while I'm speaking. <laughs> I at least I get you. to the stage in them. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so uh, I'm so excited to have you join us as a presenter this year. Can you share a little bit about what your workshop will be about? Yes. It will be, interestingly enough, that you're you're talking about joy. It will be about choosing that joy and creating that joy and finding the fun and embracing the fun in your life. It is always there for us. We just very often close our eyes to it because we get so intense on what we're doing. And the fun's knocking at our door saying, hey, hey, let me in. I make things better for you. <laughs> I love yes. that. And this, and you know what? The summit is all about fun. That is like, it is meant yeah. to be fun and connection and energy and feeling good and nothing stuffy. And you don't need to take like notes and like be quizzed on it. Like it's all about just having fun with people yes. who are like-minded. Yes. And when you have fun, you learn. That has been proven scientifically over and over again. Absolutely. All right. So my final question for you is, which I ask everyone, what does winning mean to you? Winning means having fun. Winning means enjoying the journey. That is, to me, that is winning. If you get to the end, but you had no fun, let's say you're, you're in a competition for music. That's my background. So I'll use that. If you didn't have fun before you got the trophy, you didn't win anything. It's all about, it's all about joy in the journey. Uh, I love that so much, so much. Carrie, Thanks. I adore you. I'm so glad that we're able to do this. I can't wait to hug you in person soon. Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for just speaking so openly and vulnerably and authentically about your journey. Thank you for allowing me the platform. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.